The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. of the game, St. George, Illawarra to the death, trying, Brown goes to the air, going back is Mabel, oh, leaping high and taking it in marvellous fashion with Rod Wishart, he has scored an incredible try that ties this fourth game up. Bartram from 18 metres out, he strikes it nicely, St. George, Illawarra win for the first time in their premiership line. Here's Nathan Blacklock. Down the sideline, chipping over the top of John Kane. Got a red surface bounce to win the game for the Dragons and book himself a New South Wales Blues origin jumper. Well, folks, it's that time of the week again, time for the Red V Podcast, and welcome to episode 163 as we dissect everything about the St. George Illawarra Dragons. The Dragons themselves on the bye this week, so we don't have to be too stressed or too anxious about uh, about the Red V. They'll collect the two points this week, hopefully, and uh, we'll uh, have a, a full uh, preview of uh, their uh, round two match against the Gold Coast Titans next week. But still, uh, plenty of information uh, for us to get through tonight on the podcast. We'll talk about, um, I guess, those, uh, those allegations and those remarks um, in regards to Francis Moller that broke uh, probably less than 24 hours after the podcast last week. We're also going to have a look at James Graham, the former prop forward for the Dragons, has been in the in the media being quite aggressive towards, I guess, uh, for lack of a better term, a snitch uh, in the Dragons' ranks. We'll also talk about the signing of Paul Turner and uh, have a look and see what that uh, 17 might look like for the Dragons uh, come round two. Also, wrapping up all of your junior rep results, uh, we'll preview um, a, a position, the final position preview that that is the back row position, the second row forwards, uh, and the lock for the Dragons. And we'll also answer your fan corner questions. Uh, unfortunately, no Curtis Woodward tonight. Curtis has been 
I caught up with a few personal things that are happening. He'll be back on the podcast and next week. But delighted to hand a debut uh, off the uh, interchange bench to uh, Liam O'Loughlin, a good friend of the podcast. Liam does some great stuff with uh, the Sporting News publication and uh, a massive Dragons fan as well. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, a massive uh, hello, a massive thanks to, to Liam for, for bailing us out and jumping on the podcast this evening. Uh, Liam, welcome to the Red V Podcast, mate. How are you travelling this afternoon? Yeah, thanks for having us on, Jack. Um, you know, being a big fan of this podcast for, for quite a while, being a Dragon supporter for pretty much my entire life. Um, really looking forward to the NRL season, perhaps not so much the Red V, but, <laughs> but the season in general. So, yeah, looking forward to, to ripping in and dissecting a few things about the Dragons. Yeah, plenty to get through. Let's uh, jump into your Dragons news and updates, folks, because we mentioned stuff about Francis Molo, uh, the James Graham comments. Uh, we'll talk about Paul Turner and a lot, lot more. Here is your Dragons news and updates for this week. Well, the news that uh, certainly uh, made Dragons fans quite irate last week after we'd finished the podcast was that news that came to light in regards to Francis Molo. This is a, a domestic violence and uh, stalking issue that um, uh, continues the off-season from, uh, from hell for the Dragons. It's uh, dating back to just before Christmas last year. Um, Francis Molo um, is, uh, had to plead guilty to uh, a charge of stalking and intimidating uh, a woman at his home uh, near Wollongong uh, last year. Uh, so he he pleaded guilty to the charge uh, when it was mentioned in Port Campbell local court uh, last Wednesday, and then that news kind of broke Wednesday evening. So the Dragons were able to keep it under wraps for a while. And I know, Liam, it's not something that has happened just the other day, like what we saw with the Ravalawa and Musgrove stink, but it's just another issue in a line or a litany of, of things the Dragons have done off the field. We, we spoke at length about the, the culture of the Dragons last week, and I won't go into that um, in any great depth again uh, tonight. But it is just, it's uncanny how many off-field instances have been at the Dragons. And Francis Molo, uh, a solid role player that I think a lot of fans were, were hoping was going to have some kind of impact this year. We don't know what this means. It Obviously, the, the charge that he's been charged with um, doesn't fall under the, the no-fault stand-down policy, so it doesn't hold more than an 11-year jail term. But um, it is at the discretion of the, the NRL that they can forcibly um, uh, step someone or force a player to, to stand down, um, especially if it's related to um, a violence towards women, which this uh, falls under. Uh, it's another issue for the Dragons, mate, and, and we I guess we're all just kind of scratching our head wondering when the hell is this going to stop? Yeah, look, it's just another unwanted distraction for the club. And, and obviously, Francis has found himself in a very unfortunate um, position here. He, he's done something, you know, obviously not great. If he's pleading guilty to it as well, that's that's not a great sign. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned the no-fault stand-down thing, but there's obviously some fault involved here if he has pled guilty to those charges. So I would imagine that um, he'll probably be missing some time, just given, as you said, that the fact that it does involve, um, you know, a, a violence against women, um, which is something the NRL have rightly stamped down on in you know the past half decade or so. So I, I would imagine he'll be missing some time for the Dragons, which is really disappointing. Um, he, was, he was okay last year, um, mm. Francis, but but we really we really needed him on the field at the start of this season at such a crucial time, and unfortunately, it probably looks like he's not going to be there. But yeah, look, we, we've had so many off-field issues throughout the whole season, whether it be blokes getting charged or blokes asking for releases and the stuff last weekend in Machi. Mm. We've had more club statements than, than player signings yeah. this offseason. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really disappointing that this has come up so close to the season as well. And it weakens an already 
kind of pretty thin forward pack for the Dragons. When when you look at that that front row rotation, I know they brought Musgrove in and, and Laurie's there and, and we'll touch on Jack DeBell a little bit later on the podcast because it looks as if he kind of might slot into that front row rotation as well as maybe playing a little bit of 13 uh, throughout the year. Um, but yeah, it, it just kind of, if he is going to miss some time, it, it kind of weakens that spot. You'd, without being too disrespectful, you, you don't really want to be relying um, on guys like Josh Kerr and, and Josh Corrick's another one. He's out for the season with a ruptured AC. So if he was to miss, miss any significant time, even if it was just the first four or six weeks, Liam, then that all of a sudden just um, yeah rips a hole in that Dragons depth, uh, not just in the front row, but in the, the Ford pack as a whole. Yeah, it's been well documented. Uh, the Dragons have you know got their issues um, in the front row especially. And Francis, is you know he should be the leader of the pack. He's played State of Origin for Queensland. He's a representative calibre front rower. Um, and we really needed him on the field early in the season. And now if he's not going to be there, it's going to present an opportunity for someone else, which is great. They, they you know, they need to, to stand up um, in his absence if he isn't there. But yeah, it's, it's not what the Dragons needed. Um, you know, him, you know, Francis and Blake Laurie could form a, a pretty reasonable front row starting, um, you know, duo, if we, mm. even if we don't have the depth there. But without him, you know, it just... It just uh, it raises some alarm bells straight away, which is it's not ideal when there's already a lot of pressure on the team as a whole and especially the front rowers. Uh, when we talk about depth, that leads us into our next bit of news here on the Red V podcast, and that's uh, some signing news. The Dragons on Saturday announced that the signing of uh, utility Paul Turner uh, to a two-year deal, uh, originally from New Zealand, spent time with the Warriors, was in uh, the Gold Coast setup uh, last year, and uh, yeah, released to take up a two-year deal with uh, with the Dragons. Adds some much-needed depth to that that half position for the Dragons. He can fill a few different positions. Paul Turner as well. He can play fullback. He can play in the centres. He can play either five-eight or half back and probably someone that have injuries or suspensions before the Dragons throughout the year, then he's someone that can fill into that number 14, that utility spot um, off the bench. I, I don't hate this this deal, Liam. I think the Dragons are probably in a pretty difficult situation, probably through fault of their own and, and fault of their own recruitment, but they find themselves with a fair bit of cap space. I think the, the number that's been thrown around has been about 1.5 million, uh, and Paul Turner does add some depth because outside of the rumoured starting pair of Jaden Sullivan um, and, and the halfback and captain Ben Hunt, you've obviously You've got Moses Embai, who at times is probably going to have to cover uh, both positions of 5'8 of and halfback and also the hooker roller, maybe even fullback if if Tyrell Sloan was to, to pick up in, an injury or a form uh, form slump was to, to really hit him. So I think it's a vital signing. And unfortunately, at this stage of the season, uh, less than a week out from the season when this, this signing w- was announced, you, you really are just picking up scraps from other teams. But hopefully it's an opportunity for, for Paul. He's been at a couple of clubs now. And when you get to your, your third club in as many seasons, you, you probably want to try and hit the, let the, the rubber hit the road and, and start to really kind of make your case to, to be a, a regular first-grade footy player. But who knows? It could could turn out, and I'm sure that's what, what Dragons fans and, uh, and the Dragons coaching staff are hoping for with the, this signing of, of Paul Turner. What, what were your thoughts on it, Liam? Yeah, look, I was pretty happy with the signing, to be honest. I know he's obviously not a, a big name and he's not a high-profile signing that you know a lot of Dragons fans have been clamouring for, especially in the forwards. But he's a guy that can cover a lot of positions, as you said, um, he's only played 10 or 12 NRL games to date over a few years, but when he has played, he looks like a, a kid with a lot of a lot of talent um, and a lot of upside. Upside. He's only 22 years old still. Um, he can cover so many positions, and obviously with both Cody and Junior set to probably miss the entire season, um, he, he just gives us that little bit more depth at both fullback and in the halves. So I think it's a really smart signing. Um, you know, he, he's he's got a lot of football ahead of him. He's got a lot of growth 
a two-year deal. It's not like they've signed him long-term on big money or anything. I'm sure he's he's probably on the lower end of the pay scale and it's a two-year deal, so it does give him a little bit of time to you know establish himself at the club and grow into a, a role, whatever that role may be. I'm not sure yet. Um, but I think it's a very smart signing and you know, hopefully we do get to see him out on the field at some stage um, during the 2023 season. Yeah, he's someone that yeah, you feel could be an important cog uh, for the Dragons. And uh, yeah, let's hope that we see him playing uh, plenty of first grade for the Red V in 2023. Also in the news this week was James Graham. I guess all the fallout from what happened in the charity shield between Zane Musgrove and Michaeli Ravalawa kind of came out in the wash. But some interesting comments, Liam, and I know Dragons fans have kind of had their their 10 cents to uh, to throw into the argument um, over on Twitter and, and on social media over the last couple of days. But James Graham basically coming out and saying that there's a rat in the Dragons ranks and that really disgusts him. Um probably not focusing as much on the fact that uh, if this was an isolated incident, then yeah, maybe you can try and beat up on this storyline that there's a, there's a rat in your ranks or there's a snitch or whatever, and they're going to the media. Um, There's a couple of issues wrong with it. First of all, we don't know that it's a player that's gone to the media. There's a a decent chance that it was, but there was also um, a reports by the Daily Telegraph and also the Sydney Morning Herald that when that incident happened, um, that um, uh, people that were just staying there, not, NRL associated players were were woken up. So there's every every chance that they have been the ones that have passed it on to an NRL journalist. It's so easy to do on um, on Twitter these days. You can just send a DM to to someone and 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 they can take that story and run. But I think the the more kind of pressing issue is the fact that I don't think that's the that's the issue in itself. I think the issue is the fact that the Dragons have had so many issues with culture and so many things that happened off the field. Um, I think two players getting into a stouse with each other at 6 a.m. the following morning after getting um, their backsides handed to them on a platter by South is probably the more more concerning thing. I, look, I've got a lot of respect for, for, for James Graham. I don't know whether it's sour grapes after being forced out by the Dragons, a, 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 a decision that myself and Curtis and other people on the podcast weren't happy about. I don't know whether it's that or, or the, the, yeah, uh, w- what it is, but I, I thought his, his comments were a little bit off the mark when it came to... Came to that, I, I don't think the focus should be on the Dragons necessarily having a rat within their ranks. I think it's probably um, all the off-field stuff that uh, we've spoken about uh, at length on this podcast, and yeah, the the issues that continue to kind of bubble under the surface for the Red V. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm the exact same as you. I've got a lot of respect for Jammer and everything that he's achieved, you know, in the game and at the Dragons. Um, he's such an intelligent guy, but I do think he's probably missed the mark a little bit here. If this was an isolated incident, and you know, it came out from a player and know it was an unnamed player or anything like that then obviously saying that there is a mole or whatever in the ranks is probably fair enough but this isn't an isolated incident this you know that there's been so many things happening in the off season and something like this could quite easily get out as you said they're staying in a hotel or a motel up in Mudgee where other members of the public are there as well and they were woken up by you know the the disturbance between Mika and and Zane um so look it, it the incident itself is not really a big deal, um, but it, because there has been so much happen in the off season, and this is just, yeah, just a cherry on top um, for the Dragons. But I, I don't think there is anything to um, Jammer's comments about there being a mole or a rat or a snitch in the uh, the Dragons playing group. I don't think that's fair, to be honest. Yeah, I think it's the last thing that the, the Dragons will be worrying about at the moment. Just want to try and get uh, things uh, happening um, on the field um, and, and make sure they're not uh, quite as bad as uh, what's been happening uh, off the field with all these uh, off the field um, instances.
Uh, and the last a couple of bits of news here on our Dragons news and updates section is uh, some team news about the Dragons. The Canberra Times is reporting, and it was also broken on SEN um, earlier today, that looks as if Jaden Sullivan will start in the 5'8 position for the Dragons with Jack Bird uh, set to play in that 13 jumper. Um, there were some kind of words earlier in the, the season, probably um, just before Jack Bird picked up that, that knee injury at training that... Uh, that, that he could potentially be the 5'8 to partner Ben Hunt in the halves. And I know that Dragons fans were shuddering at the thought of that, and that's no disrespect on Jack, but I just don't think he's the, the most creative 5'8 that we could put in there. Jaden Sullivan gets an opportunity. He hasn't really played a lot of 5'8. He's played a lot of his football off the bench and in that 14 role. Um, so he gets an opportunity to partner Ben Hunt to start the season. At least that's what we're hearing. Um, and then Jack Bird moves to the to the 13. I really like this, Liam. I, I, I've said for a long time that I think 13 is probably Jack Bird's uh, best position, especially as he's getting a little bit older and obviously he's had some pretty significant uh, lower leg injuries. I think that 13 spot is good for him. Gets a bit more support defensively in the middle of the field. He's probably caught out a little bit um, at fullback and also in the centers when he's been thrown in there um, and, and has that ball playing ability, kind of the, the way Graham-esque uh, player that has got a kick on him, um, has got a good passing game, can pass efficiently both ways. Um, so it's not not all the pressures being put on kind of your, your Jaden Sullivan and your, and your Ben Hunts in, the, in that six and seven jumper. Jacob Little, I think, will add a little bit of support, but he's not um, overly known as a um, as a really skillful or creative player. So I think having a player like Bird um, in the middle, um, and if he does kind of push out to an edge as well at times, I think that probably gives the Dragons maybe a, a little bit more dimension. And no doubt, plenty of Dragons fans excited to hear Jaden Sullivan could potentially be be playing in that that five eighth role come round two. Yeah, it feels like the common sense decision, if we're being honest, if, you know, everyone's fit and ready to go, I think Jaden should definitely be the 5'8", um, come round to it. And, yeah, I think Birdie at 13 makes a lot of sense. Um, he, he's been found out a little bit defensively um, mm. when he's when he's played, in, you know, on the edge or in the centres um, at times. He, you know, he was up near the most missed tackles in the competition last year. Um, so I think playing in the middle um, should probably help him on that side of things. I had a really good chat with Bud yesterday. I was down mm. at the Dragons um, media session and yeah, he was great. Um, he, he seems confident. Um, you know, I, I spoke to him about the whole release request towards the end of last year and, you know, he didn't shy away from the fact that um, he was, you know, looking at, at leaving the club and possibly moving on to somewhere like Canterbury who were chasing him. Um, but he had, you know, some really good heart to hearts with the, you know, the guys at the Dragons like Hawk and Benny Harron and Ryan Webb. And they've put the confidence back into him now. Um, and, and he, he, you know, he, he does come across as someone that's ready for a big season and he's going to grab that opportunity with both hands. Obviously, it's quite bittersweet for him on a personal level because mm. he's going to be coming in and, and taking the spot of one of his best mates in junior. Um, but look, he, he's got to take this opportunity. There's been raps on Bud for, for such a long time. He's an exciting player. Um, he loves tackling. He's only a small bloke, but he, he's he's very sound defensively. Um, so I don't think there's any concern there. And he's going to bring a lot of spark and X factor to the Dragons attack. The, the main thing is we just need to stick with him for a while, I think. Um, you know, mm. the start of last year when, you know, guys like Tyrell had a couple of off games, he, he was very quick to, to change things because we do have, you know, that fallback option of Moses Mbai, but I don't think that's the way to go. I think we need to stick with Bud. Um, for as long as possible and give him time to build into this role and form a combination with Ben Hunt um, and, and Jacob Little and those guys. So, yeah, I think it's the common sense decision on, on both ends and Birdie at 13 just makes a lot of sense and it gives us another point of difference in the middle, which, you know, hopefully can create some points. 
Yeah, I think it's a, it's a good move by the, the coaching staff, if true. And, and let's hope that uh, that Bud can hit the ground running and put in some really good shifts and, and give the, the coaching staff no excuses to uh, to kick him out of that number six spot to feel like he's someone that could really create some excitement and some highlight reels for the Dragons in this early early part of the season with a, a softest draw uh, to start the season uh, for the Red V. And obviously uh, inside Ben Hunt, a bit of pressure uh, being taken off Benny if, if Jaden can find a bit of form early in the season. And uh, Jack Bird, I think 13 is his, uh, his best position uh, there for the Red V. Uh, before we finish our Dragons news and update section, we're going to continue the Who Am I questions uh, this week on the podcast. And this time, we I uh, guess we go back into our time machine and go back to the 1980s and into the 1990s. Uh, and the Who Am I for this week is a player that was born in Oatley, New South Wales on the 20th of March, uh, 1964. This particular player was a centre, but could also play uh, in the back row and probably played almost exclusively in the back row when he went over to the UK. He started his career with the Illawarra Steelers in 1985 um, when Brian Smith was uh, cutting his teeth uh, down there. He spent three years at the Steelers between 1985 and 1987, accumulating 27 games and six tries. And he had a bit of success over at the Penrith Panthers. Uh, he spent four seasons at the Panthers from 1988 to 1991. He was part of the uh, like the part of the 1991 Grand Final side, although he was on the bench. But Phil Gould didn't uh, send him on, and then he went and played uh, in the 1991 World Club Challenge, uh, which was lost by Penrith uh, against Wigan. I uh, spent a bit of time over in the UK. He had two stints. The first was with a Castle Foot in 91-92, and then he spent three seasons under Brian Smith at Bradford in 1996 to 1998, playing 83 games over in the UK and scoring 38 tries. But perhaps best well known for his stint uh, with the St. George Dragons. Uh, three seasons at the Red V, uh, played in the 1993 Grand Final and uh, finished in that losing semi-final effort against the Bulldogs in 1995, scoring a try in his final game uh, for the St. George Dragons. Then, yeah, pulled up stumps on his career at the end of 1998, a 14-year career, so longevity certainly uh, was part of uh, his uh, career. 286 games, uh, 77 tries. I'm pretty sure uh, you uh, sprightly uh, Illawarra and St. George and St. George Illawarra fans will know uh, who I'm talking about, but uh, we will reveal that uh, a little bit later on in the podcast. Time for us to take our first break here on episode one hundred. 63 of the Red V Podcast. Jack Clifton and Lima Lachlan filling in for Curtis Woodward. Coming up next, we're going to continue and finalise our season pre- uh, a season preview or position preview by taking a look at the back row positions. That's second row and lock for the Dragons in 2023. We've been going throughout the Dragons' entire squad and taking a look at the position previews uh, each and every week here in the podcast. Been a bit of delay because we have had uh, some other pressing Dragons news to get to in the last couple of weeks, but we are finalising our position preview this week by taking a look at the back row positions, jumpers 11, 12, and 13 for the Red V. And I guess, Liam, when you look throughout this Dragon side and uh, you look at that back row position, it's probably one of the more uh, strength-filled uh, positions that the Dragons have. I know we've kind of spoken about the fullback spot and the lack of depth there and also the halves and the hooker position and We've been quite critical of the front row of the, the Dragons. But when you look at that, the back row, the, the new signing, Ben Murdoch-Masilla, has is, is kind of slid in quite nicely and put in a couple of good shifts in the in the match against St. Helens and also in the Charity Shield. Jaden Sewer was probably the uh, arguably the, the Dragons' best forward last year and and one of the, I guess, the clear leaders in this forward pack. And then you've potentially got Jack Bird at, at 13. So all of a sudden, that that back row isn't looking um, as fragile, I guess, as some of the, the other positions. Uh, where, where do you sit on... Uh, this this Dragons back row, and who do you reckon is going to be lining up in a 11, 12, and 13 for the Red V come round two? 
Yeah, look, the back row is definitely better than the front row. Um, we'll put it that way. <laughs> um, Jaden Sue is obviously going to be uh, one of the starting edge forwards and absolutely deserves to be his representative caliber player. Um, had a fantastic World Cup campaign with Samoa last year. You know, he's played Origin in the past, and I know he's pushing to get back into that mix as well for Queensland. Um, had some unfortunate timing with injury and stuff last year, but yeah, he's he's probably our best forward, um, and he needs to stand up and, and, and show that he is that this year. Um, so he'll definitely be on one edge. Ben Murdoch Masilla looks like he's probably going to get the other edge spot, which I thought was a little bit perplexing, but mm. he played reasonable um, in the trials. I'm just a little bit concerned about just him laterally. Um, he's, yeah, he's quite defensively as well, yeah. Yeah, he's played a lot of his career in the middle as well. Um, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure about him as a long-term prospect or for the entire season on the edge. But at the moment, he might he might have to play there just because we don't have too many other options. And Birdie, as we spoke about at 13, is probably the, the right selection and the common sense selection, um, just given what he can do with ball in hand. And as we mentioned, some of his issues defensively when he does play um, a little bit wider out. So, yeah, Ben and Jaden in, in the second row and, and Jack at lock is pretty reasonable. Um, I would say it's it's one of our stronger areas if they can all be fit and firing because Ben is, you know, a quality player um, when, when he is fit. Um, he just needs to, to stay that way for the entire season and hopefully, you know, a, a change of scenery can bring out some of his best football. And Jaden, as I mentioned, is a fantastic player on both sides of the ball and, um, you know, his offloading ability and attack and just the way he can run lines is um, second to none. It's, you know, it's up there with the, the the best edge forwards in the competition, in my opinion. And, you know, it's no secret that uh, he's he's got some of the best shoulders in the game too. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how uh, how that plays out. But I think that's the way it's going to look for round two against the Titans. And something we've seen out of Ben Hunt in the last couple of seasons at the Dragons is, is he really does love those, and, and Anthony Griffin as well, obviously calling the shots, loves loves those crash plays with those big boys running at the, the little men or, uh, on the on the edges, running against the, the centres and, and your halfbacks and your five-eighths from the opposition uh, defending. And, and I feel with, with some of these kind of big boys on the edge, especially someone like a like a Jaden Sewer and, and to a lesser extent, a, a Ben Murdoch-Missilla, I reckon, yeah, Benny Hunt's probably going to be kind of marshalling his troops to, to run at some of those smaller defenders all day and, and hopefully the Dragons can have a, a bit of success in, in, in that area as well, Liam. Yeah, definitely. That kind of thing is all just about pass selection and that'll come back to, to Ben and Jaden a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, I think I think Silver and Murdoch Masilla on the edge close to the line is going to be very dangerous and yeah, it, it should be able to create some point scoring opportunities. Even if they don't crash over themselves, they might get a quick, quick play of the ball and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, they are one-on-one with a smaller halfback or a 5A. So I think, yeah, that that's something that the Dragons could look to exploit and they probably should this year. Yeah, like we've touched on before, yeah, really like Bird at 13. Um, yeah, I think that the ball playing ability um, is going to give us perhaps just a, yeah, just just another little bit of class that we perhaps um, need. Um, yeah, and, and just a bit of stability through that middle. I think that, yeah, um, that, that 13 position has kind of been a bit of a lackluster position from the Dragons because it's obviously a position that's changed a little bit in, in recent years um, since the six again rule has come in and the game's 
sped up. Um, so I, I know Blake Laurie played there for a little bit. Um, we've had Jack DeBell in there, who's probably just slowed in the legs a little bit and I don't think has those 80-minute performances in him anymore and, and he might be more suited to, to perhaps being in that, that front row um, rotation. But I feel like someone like a like a Jack Bird, now that he's got some fitness under his, under his legs and um, he's played a couple of seasons since coming back from that ACL injury, is someone that, yeah, can, can move pretty, pretty laterally fairly well um, and I think he slides into that position pretty well but I guess when you when you look at the some of the other 13s around the competition I think that the first one that springs to mind is is Victor Radley or, or a Brandon Smith I think he's been named for for the Roosters in number nine but th- they seem to be your kind of prototype 13s those guys that can play a little bit of hooker but um, are smart and quick um, and can kind of create a little bit of room r- around the ruck Jack Bird not necessarily that player but but like we've touched on Liam I think he does bring some skills to the table that maybe probably just puts him um, a, a few nose ahead of of Jack Bell and if you, you would have Jack in that 13 position. Yeah, Birdie's probably not as sharp as he used to be, obviously, with the, the injuries that he has had during his time at, at Brisbane. Um, but I think he does have that class and that ball playing ability. He's played a lot of 5'8 and stuff coming through the grades and, you know, early on in his first grade career too. Um, so he does have that ball playing ability. He's not as, as quick um, as someone like a Cameron Murray through the middle of the field, but I, I think he can be an asset um, in the 13 jumper. And uh, DeBell and he still has that ball-playing ability, but as you mentioned, he's just, you know, that little bit slower now. He's getting on in age. Um, he's still very sound defensively most of the time. So I think having him in, in the front row, he's not a, a big body, um, but he is someone that can ball play and, you know, he can tuck the ball under his arm if he needs to. So I think, you know, having both of them in the starting team is certainly going to help our attack. Um, and I think with Bomber in the front row, it'll certainly help tidy things up defensively too. Yeah, I think that's probably his best position uh, moving forward for the Dragons. We'll have to wait until next Tuesday to find out if that is uh, the position that he he slots into. And just some of the the info around some of the the depth players, a little bit of depth in this position, but again, of no uh, no great quality. You've got uh, Billy Burns, Taro Fumiano, Michael Molo, who's probably more a a middle. Um, He has been used at prop, but... 13 is probably his best position, a real workhorse said here on the podcast before, that he's someone that you probably need to play for 50 or 60 minutes to get a real impact out of out of Molo. But unfortunately, Griffin's been playing him for kind of 12 and 14 minute stints. And I don't think that has really helped his development too much. Dan Russell, who I thought was really good in the preseason fixtures, um, is another one. Um, and there are, of course, a few train and trial guys and guys on development contracts as well that will have to wait uh, for their turn if uh, if an opportunity does present itself uh, for them heading into the 2023 season. So, yeah, it could be struggle straight for that back row if there are injuries. Obviously, start, uh, the, the starting um, back row does look healthy um, with the likes of Sua Ben Murdoch Masilla um, and also Jack Bird at 13. Uh, but if there are injuries or suspensions, like we've seen happen, especially with some like a Jaden Sua and Ben Murdoch Masilla certainly doesn't have the, the cleanest judiciary record, um, then, yeah, they could could be some some issues uh, for the Dragons if they have to rely on some of those depth players as well. Uh, but we'll have to keep uh, tabs on that one. Uh, that wraps up our position preview. Let's jump in and take a look at the uh, junior reps for this weekend. Uh, it is a bit of a local derby with uh, the Dragons uh, doing battle with the Illawarra Steelers. Um, but before we do get into that, we'll just take a look at uh, what happened last weekend uh, for uh, all of the uh, our respective teams, uh, the Dragons and also uh, the Illawarra Steelers. Uh, starting with the under-19 competition with SG Ball, uh, the Dragons uh, went down again, unfortunately. Put up a good fight over 
over there in New Zealand, uh, the Warriors having an SG ball team for, I believe, the first time, not the first time, the first time in a long time. Uh, Dragons uh, showed some real fight uh, offensively uh, across for five tries, including uh, one to their skipper, Nick Sagranis, and also a nice try uh, to their uh, exciting winger, uh, Joven Gaimo, who came down with uh, Tonga Pacific Tonga um, to, uh, from the Ipswich State High School. But unfortunately, uh, the Warriors is too strong. They scored six tries to five uh, to run out winners by 34 points to 24, so a comfortable win uh, for them there. Uh, jumping across to the Harvey Norman uh, Tarshigal Cup, it was actually the first ever win this season by a St. George uh, junior rep side, uh, the, the Tarshigal Cup or the women's under-19 side. It had um, some pretty uh, well, a stern defeat to start the season, lost 50 points to four to the Bulldogs, um, went down to the Tigers in dubious circumstances, looked as if they'd scored after the siren, lost that game 18-14, and then against a good Panthers side last week, drew 14-all, uh, and then bounced over the Sharks 20-12 there at Points Bet Stadium uh, of the old Shark Park. So uh, a great win there by the girls. They worked uh, really hard and, uh, yeah, it was a, a sound defensive performance, especially in the second half uh, there. And also a quick shout-out uh, to Mele Ketu. Uh, she bagged a double uh, for the Dragons in that game, so that was a, a really fine performance. So they've uh, got their first win of the season and, and all of a sudden have, have gone undefeated in their last two games. So they'll be looking to build on that uh, this week. We'll get into those uh, fixtures in just a moment. Uh, in Harry Matthews Cup for St. George, under-17s, uh, the Dragons uh, fought hard for the first kind of 40-odd minutes, but that were blown out of the park by Parramatta, who, uh, along with uh, Penrith and, and Newcastle, are notoriously strong um, uh, junior reps, especially in 17s. Um, uh, Denoel, uh, Halangal, who has been having a very good season for the Dragons, and Hodges all scored in the first 25 minutes, uh, but then uh, there was a host of tries uh, in the second half. Uh, Lurima Rokasuka bagged a double, and then there was also two late tries in the final 10 minutes that blew out the score by 36 points to 12, six tries to three. So it's, uh, yeah, been a, been a steep learning curve for the Dragons this year, but you do feel um, that uh, throughout the season, um, these tough defeats are, are going to kind of steal them for, uh, for stronger performances um, moving forward. And now to the Illawarra Steelers. Uh, their SG ball uh, competition were, uh, side was also in, uh, in, in the competition um, over the weekend. Had a bit of a stop-start campaign. They uh, lost to the Panthers in round one, uh, beat the Storm 34-20 in round two, and then lost to Parramatta uh, 36 points to 20, but got themselves out of jail against the Central Coast Roosters up there at Morrie Breen Oval on Saturday afternoon or Sunday afternoon. Oh, yeah, it was Saturday, pardon me. Uh, they were down 18 points to nil and got a 24-all draw with uh, Campbell, Ruby, Ethan Cliff, uh, Lee Kung King Togia and uh, also Jet Liu who's been part of the training with the Dragons first grade squad all scoring and Ashton Ward's conversion four minutes from time was enough to salvage a point there for the Steelers they'll be looking to to try and push on um, in this competition as we get into the uh, the second half of uh, of the season meanwhile in the Tashigal Cup the women's under 19s uh, there was a, uh, a, a disappointing loss for the Steelers they went down to the Sydney Roosters Indigenous Academy by 12 uh, points to six uh, in that one and finally in the Harold Matthews Cup competition. Uh, the Steelers uh, were also in action uh, in that under-17 uh, comp, and they uh, won 24 points to weigh 10 against the Roosters, so a nice fight back there. So a pretty successful weekend uh, for the Steelers, and uh, they'll be backing up with uh, some big games uh, this week. Starting with Harrow Matthews Cup, uh, they, um, they'll they be having um, a, uh, a match up against, um, we'll actually have the buy in round five, sorry, uh, pardon me, and then uh, reconvene on Saturday the 11th of March uh, down at the Collegian Sporting Complex against the Balmain Tigers. So uh, that is uh, the tale of the tape for the Steelers 
uh, when it comes uh, to the Harold Matthews Cup. In SJ Ball, the Steelers battle the Dragons at 11.30. That's uh, scheduled according to the New South Wales Rugby League website for Netstrata Jubilee Stadium. Uh, that could change as I know the Dragons have been playing a fair few games um, out of Mascot Oval, uh, which is generally where they do play their, their junior reps. I do wonder whether the, uh, the, the George River Council will uh, let the, uh, the St. George Dragons uh, play there. They uh, yeah, very rarely get an opportunity to play there, so it would be great if they could. Uh, meanwhile, in the Tasha Gale Cup, the women's under-19s competition, it'll be the main event at Cogra at 1pm. The Dragons are up against the Steelers there. So some cracking matches over the weekend. The Dragons and the Steelers in the same place, which is very convenient for, for those of us that are out there to, uh, to see some of the junior rep action. We we'll certainly encourage uh, you to, uh, to jump on uh, the, uh, the, the New South Wales live stream um, and, uh, and watch some of their games throughout the year um, or follow the scores or if you can get out to the grounds, uh, I would encourage you with these guys and, and girls are the future of our uh, footy clubs and uh, there's some really talented players are playing in these competitions as well. Well, time for us to take another break here on episode 163 of the Red V podcast. On the other side of that, myself and Liam are going to tackle your fans' corner questions for this week on episode 163 of the Red V podcast. <laughs> Plenty of questions to get through for our Fans Corner segment uh, this week. Uh, and our first question comes from LGBR on Twitter. And he said, hey, boys, surely the blowtorch has been put to Ryan Webb. How do the Dragons move forward? Is Desi the answer? If Desi comes in and takes control of the whole place, surely that would be better than what we've had for the past 10 years. Not to mention Des could attract some high-quality players. Now, Liam, I've kind of called for Des Hasler in the in the past, but I'm probably a little bit scarred by him. I think a couple of things, I think some of these older coaches, as we've kind of seen with Anthony Griffin, is the game has kind of, you feel, has passed them by somewhat. Um, and I think with Des Hasler... Maybe not what has kind of happened at Manly, but previously at Manly, he kind of left the club in pretty bad salary cap shape. The, the same thing happened at the Bulldogs. So even if he was to find you some short-term success for the next two, three, four years, there's the chance the Dragons, the position the Dragons find themselves in now, they could find themselves in five or six years because he's someone that has a bit of a bad habit or a, a, a bad track record for leaving the club in, in pretty bad salary cap and financial shape after he leaves the club, especially with back-ending contracts yeah Desi's kind of that old school coach isn't he um he, he's a bit similar to someone like hook um he just has those that old school mentality maybe not the most you know tactically sound coach but he's a good man manager and he knows how to get the best out of his teams especially on a short-term basis as well when he when he arrives at a club um you know when he went to the bulldogs at the start when he first went back to manly he turned him around and he changed things um so i think short term you know, he could be someone that could come to the Dragons and, and fix things. Um, but I feel like it would be a little bit of a sideways move, if we're being honest, um, for where we are now. I think they need to, to look at something longer term um, if they aren't going to be sticking with Hook past this year. And I just don't know if Des Hasler's the answer to that. And as you mentioned, he has left a couple of clubs in some, uh, you know, some pretty frail positions um, in the past, you know, decade or so. Um, so, yeah, I'm not entirely sure he's the right option and but that being said there's there's not a lot of quality nrl coaches mm. out there um so beggars can't be choosers if, if the dragons aren't going to stick with hook they might have to look at someone like desi um, or a shane flanagan an experienced coach if you know there isn't an assistant out there 
Uh, D-Man on Twitter has said, Hey, boys, uh, we'd like you to discuss our salary cap. How much room do we have? Who should we chase for 2024 and beyond? Have we too much money tied up in mid-range and fringe first graders? Have we paid too much for unproven juniors who haven't even established themselves in the team? Cheers. Well, it's probably a combination of all of the above, isn't it, Liam? Because I think we, we probably have, well, not probably, we have signed some players at the back end of their careers that are probably happy just to take one last final paycheck without being someone that can can really put us on on the map and I think that's the case in the in the Ford pack I don't know if we've necessarily wasted um, or, or thrown too much money for unproven juniors we obviously don't know how much money the likes of, of Amon and Sullivan and, and Sloan and those those different type players are on but I can't imagine they're eating too much uh, in into the cap uh, what do you make of the the uh, the salary cap position the dragons find themselves in at the moment yeah, I, you know, I don't claim to know the inner workings of the club and how much money they do have, um, you know, left in the salary cap for, for 2024 and 2025. But they have signed, you know, some of the, the club's key players long term, which is always important. Um, like Sloney and Bud are both signed for another couple of years. Blocker's just earned an extension. Benny Hunt's had an extension. Junior, before he's off-field, you know, indiscretions re-signed until the end of 2024 as well. So they are making the right moves in retaining players, I think but I think it's just the recruitment that they're, they're struggling quite a lot with, you know, you, you've seen in the last you know few days, Tom Flegler and Spencer Lenu, mm. both, both players that the club should have really been going hard for. And, you know, they had to pay overs, pay overs for them because they are good, young, fierce front rowers that are, are going to be, you know, at the top of the game for, you know, the next eight to 10 years. Um, they've got so much good football ahead of them and they're representative caliber players, which we need in the front row. So it is, it is disappointing to see them land at, at other clubs um, without us having a red-hot crack. So, yeah, you, you look at, at things like that happening and you wonder if, uh, if they are asleep at the wheel a little bit in terms of recruitment. But I think the retention side of things, they're, they're retaining the right players. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm just having a look, Liam, at at some of the the off off contract players at the end of um, the end of of 2023, and there's some there's some decent uh, decent names. There even someone like a Emery Gula, who's who I think's been a pretty solid bench player for for the Raiders, is is someone that's coming off the contract uh, com- coming off contract at the end of of 2023. It's probably more at the end of 2024 now that we're we're kind of seeing some some interesting players. So uh, Payne Haas is one of those that is coming off contract. Uh, Tavita Pangai Jr. from the Bulldogs. Dogs is another one. Um, so like, th- there is some, there is going to be some options out there for the Dragons. It's just whether um, uh, Teague Wilton's another one at the end of this season for the for the Sharks. I think he's probably trying to lock down a back row position for the Sharkies this year. It's just being able to identify those players and, and going for. It. I think the disappointment amongst fan, the, the fan base is that. Maybe the Dragons are in conversations with these players, but it certainly doesn't doesn't feel like it and certainly isn't being reported that way by, by journos in, in the rugby league um, fraternity that the, the Dragons are even trying to sign these types of players. Yeah, it looks like we, you know, the club have missed out on a, a lot of guys that were off contract at the end of this year, um, especially in a position they need, like front row. Luke Thompson, um, you know, probably mm. hasn't set the world on fire at the, at the Dogs, but he could be a handy pickup in the front row. He's off contract at the end of... This year, um, but there, there isn't a hell of a lot, um, if, if we're being honest, and that is disappointing because that leaves the club without, you know, a, a big name signing potentially for 2024 when they haven't signed anyone of note for 2023. So that's two years in a row where the club, you know, have have not been able to land a big name, um, and that is quite disappointing. Um, David Fafida is someone that, you know, there was mm. some some light rumours about 
not entirely sure where he's at. He's been linked to the Raiders as well and, and potentially staying at the Titans. But if they could get him for the right price, I'm not entirely sure what that price is, just given the way his value has probably decreased in the last couple of years since arriving at the Titans from Brisbane on, you know, mm. that $1.1 million a season deal. But, you know, he, he's someone that if you could get him for the right price, um, even if it is a little bit more than other clubs are offering, I think he could could add a lot of value and a lot of star power and a lot of strike um, to the club. But there's there's not a hell of a lot out there in terms of, of quality front rowers that are, you know, on the right side of, you know, 28 and, and not, you know, in their early 30s and coming for, for last one, you know, one last paycheck, as you kind of said. Uh, our last question comes from Cooper Island. He said, hey, boys, what would be deemed a good season for us in your opinion? Yeah, uh, a good season for the Dragons. That's that's tough. Um, mm, I, would I guess, say, Yeah, I guess it's what do you determine by good? Um, I, personally, I don't think the Dragons have any chance of, of making the top eight. I know there's some some happy clapper fans on online that think the Dragons are, are going to make the, the eight. That I'm not one of those. I, I think an eight-win season, eight or nine wins, I think, as far as I'm concerned, with with our roster and our lack of depth, I think that would be that would be a good a good season. Um, I think anything over that, a ten or eleven win season, I think would be would be tremendous um, by the Dragons, especially I think because I look at the teams around us, uh, uh, um, and, and see. Um, See how they like how how they've in, they've improved, um, especially a team like the Canary Bulldogs who have, have signed really well the last couple of seasons. The Tigers have signed well this season. Um, the the Dolphins probably not known as a side that recruited really well, but I think they've got an absolute master coach, so I think they'll go above and above and beyond. So I, I'm kind of struggling to see where the Dragons will will chalk out their victories uh, victories from um, Liam because the last couple of years, last year in particular, I think we jagged four wins off the Dogs and the Tigers, well, I think we'll probably be lucky to win one or two out of those four if, if that was to happen again this year. So um, that's probably my, my struggle and, and the fact that, yeah, the, you've, you've got sides like the Panthers and the Sharks and South and Para that are just so formidable that it's, it's hard to see the Dragons kind of even matching with them for 40 or 50 minutes, let alone trying to steal a win off them over the 80 minutes. Yeah, I think somewhere around a mid-table finish for the Dragons is, you know, that's probably a decent result just given the roster the issues with their depth, the coaching situation, all the off-field stuff going on. There's there's a lot of, you know, a lot of factors going into to why the Dragons probably aren't going to be playing finals footy this year. Mm. I don't know if they're a bottom four or wooden spoon side like a lot of people are saying. There is still enough quality in their roster, especially in like the starting 13. Um, but depth, you know, depth could be an issue if, you know, injury did strike in a key position. God forbid something, you know, happened to Ben Hunt and he was out for a while. The, the mm. Dragons would obviously struggle quite a lot. So depth is going to be an issue over the 27 rounds now with the, the addition of the Dolphins. Um, but I think somewhere around 11th or 12th is probably a pass mark, just given all those factors we mentioned. Um, obviously, we'd like to say that they'd be pushing for, for finals or a top four, but we're probably just not quite there at the moment. But on the flip side, I don't think they're a wooden spoon outfit, just given some of the quality they do have, especially in the back line and, and some of the second rowers and you know Bomber and Blake Laurie as well. Yeah, well said, um, uh, Liam. Yeah, I tend to agree uh, with that as well. Uh, that wraps up our uh, uh, fans' corner question for this week on the podcast. As always, email us redvpodcast at gmail.com. It also brings us to the end of the podcast. Before we jump on out of here, we'll announce you the Who Am I uh, for this week. And the Who Am I, uh, a former Illawarra and St. George player, is Graham Bradley. So he played uh, in the centres and also in the back row, played a total of 286 games. He also played for the President's 13 in 19. 
1988 and uh, played uh, a fair bit of his career actually under Brian Smith. So he played under Brian Smith for a few seasons at the Steelers. He then spent all of his three years at the Dragons under Smith and then followed Smith uh, to the Bradford Bulls for three years between 1996 and 1998. And um, yeah, it was actually, uh, uh, Brian Smith was actually a school teacher as well. So they must have had a pretty good relationship because they spent a fair bit of time together. But a hardworking player, um, not a noted try scorer, but a very good defender and uh, also a very good provider of tries uh, in that centre position. Just one of those solid club men that, uh, that you love to have uh, around your, your association. And he was a great player for, for the Steelers, the Panthers, uh, Castleford and Bradford, and also the St. George Dragons. The Who Am I for this week uh, is Graham Bradley. End of episode 163. Liam, thanks so much for, for jumping on and, uh, yeah, giving us your insights in, into the Dragons and uh, hope you enjoyed your debut here on the podcast, brother. Yeah, thanks a lot for having us, Jack. Really appreciate it. Um, hope to see you guys keep killing it throughout the season. And, yeah, hopefully we, we get to see the Dragons win a few games and put some smiles on people's faces. Yeah, that's what we can only uh, hope for. So, uh, yeah, enjoy this uh, this week off, Dragons fans, because it all starts again uh, round two against the Gold Coast Titans next week. We'll be back for a brand new episode of the podcast next week, previewing that big game against the Titans and also round up the latest Dragons news and also take a stab at your fans' corner questions. But until then, on behalf of myself, Jack Clifton, and Liam O'Loughlin from the Red V Podcast, we'll catch you next week. Let's go those mighty Dragons. Sports Social Podcast Network.